Hi everyone, welcome back to the Unconstrained Conversation podcast. Before we start, I wanted to let everyone know that we're going to take a summer break, so this will be our last podcast until September. But don't cry, if you're missing the weekly conversations, there are 57 others you can revisit, which means there is almost one for every day we will be offline. For this last episode before our break, I invited my good friend and long-term fellow revenue management evangelist, Professor Sherry Kimes, to join me. Sherry Kimes is an emeritus professor of operations management at the School of Hotel Administration at Cornell University. She specializes in revenue management. She has been named the school's graduate teacher of the year three times and was awarded a Menschel Distinguished Teaching Fellowships by Cornell University in 2014. Cheryl has over 100 articles in leading journals, uh, in, like Journal of Operations Management, Journal of Service Research, Decision Science, and the Cornell Hospitality Quarterly. She was awarded the CHR Award for Industry Relevance in 2010, 12, and 14, and was given a Lifetime Achievement Award by the Production and Operations Management Society in 2010. Sherry and I have been known each other for a very long time. She's been relentless in the pursuit of her passion to make revenue management more accepted in the industry. And she's been a tireless advocate, mentor, and of course, teacher to many people who are leading the field now. And she continues to challenge us all to do more and better. We will be talking about some recent research that Sherry released, and you can access the link in the uh, uh, page of the podcast. Enjoy this great conversation with Professor Sherry Kimes. Enjoy your summer. And let's hope the industry continues its upward momentum. All right. Hi, Sherry. Uh, welcome to the Unconstrained Conversation podcast. Wow. Well, thanks for having me, Klaus. Glad to be here. Yes, yes. I was just saying, I can't believe I haven't had you on the conversation yet. I, uh, I feel uh, very, very sorry uh, that it's taken me a year to get you on it. Nothing personal. I still like you. And I know we have, uh, we've uh, kind of had many, many, many great conversations over the the, the many, many years we have known each other, uh, probably, what, 13 years now, 14 years? So, yeah, um, a good 13 I, or 14, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know this is going to be another great conversation. Um, so you're, you're in Singapore, and um, obviously Singapore is dealing uh, still with a lot of uh, COVID-related restrictions. Um, but you've also continued to um, uh, do a lot of research and, and obviously keep your ears to the ground for, for the revenue management community that you're very well connected to. So tell me what you're hearing and what you're seeing and, and, and how do you feel kind of the world of revenue management has changed? Well, it's been really pretty interesting because, you know, the um, you know, with looking at the impact of the COVID has had on hotels, because, you know, the first study I did with this was back February or March. It was actually mm -hmm. early March because it hadn't really hit in the Europe or the U.S. yet. And it was more of an Asia specific thing. And, uh, you know, with the general uh, thought there was, oh, it's going to be just like SARS and, you know, it'll be over in a few months. And um, and um, it was and people, but there was still you know, there was panic. And then you could start to see I, I did. I've done a total of four studies on it. And then um, then people got into kind of a coping uh, mode where it's like, OK, we've got to do everything we can to be able to generate revenue, got a lot more creative and you know, kind of and then starting to ask people to reflect back on um, what the, what worked and what didn't work. And what was really interesting 
was that there were huge regional differences. Um, but, you know, like Asia Pacific, North America, Europe, Middle East, very different. And then, you know, one of the key things that came, I mean, I think one of the key things that came out over the last year was that um, people had to be really creative and really innovative mm -hmm. to be able to figure mm -hmm. out, okay, it's like the basic, whenever I would talk to particularly restaurant people, they would all say kind of the same thing. We got our, I got my team together. We sat around, we held our heads <laughs> and we went, oh my God, what are we going to do? We've got to stay in business. What can we do? And um, they did more. And some of them said, you know, we did more in three months than we had ever done in 20 years. Because in, terms of innovation, to, in terms of innovation. innovation they had to. And, right. and I think, and then a lot of the other thing interesting with it too, is that some of that innovation, people said, wait a minute. Why didn't we do that before? And to me, and, and I think, well, the reason you didn't do it before is because you didn't have to, and, and you right. didn't, and you weren't, you weren't, and 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 you didn't get outside of your little box um, to think that way. And so I, I'm hoping that we'll see that see some of that, you know, continue on into the future because all of a sudden, you know, for example, if you look with hotels, I mean. You, know, you and I know this. I mean, hotels have been talking about total hotel revenue management since oh forever. Yeah, and it's forever, so forever. I'm <laughs> so sick of hearing about it. It's like just do something, will you? I mean, just quit talking about it. Well, during the pandemic, people started doing something about it because it was like, hey, we need some money. Yeah. Um and they had to. And, you know, will that continue? That's what that that's still a question you know, we, that has not been answered. Yeah. So have you seen kind of when as people move through these phases of panic, then, you know, crisis, then let's do something about it. And then, OK, this is actually working. Have you seen some some good examples? Do you have a, a couple really that stand out to say, wow, this this has been really innovative or different or creative? Um, that just kind of made you look up and say, "Hey, this is this is something different." Well, I think one of the things that came came through in the last study that I did with with Dave Roberts was that people all of a sudden realized there's a local market, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was a you know Dave, you know, with him, you know his you know twenty plus years at Marriott, he said, "Well, yeah, there's a local market, but not everybody always remembers that." And, you know, partly, you know, well, why do people have to focus on the local market? Well, because like there was nothing else. Right. And yeah. And, yeah. and then the other thing people were seemed genuinely surprised at was how some people just have a I mean, have a need to travel. I mean, it's like an inherent need. Not yeah. everybody. And yeah. but those were two things that and then and then so that you look at the offerings that are available for locals now, um, it's it's pretty spectacular and i think yeah. before um you know the local market was perhaps a little bit overlooked because you know, you have you know people coming in from other places and you got international travel and stuff like that and local yeah 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 like who's going to do a staycation we have staycations we have workcations we've got petcations we got everything now <laughs> so that part i think is interesting the other thing i think is really interesting is What's gone on with F and B, mm -hmm. um, and with that one is like in, in, in like restaurant delivery. It's it's big and it's growing, and yeah. I think a lot yeah. of hotels started going, "Hey, you know, wait a minute, we could do that." So there's mm -hmm. that, 
And then I think the other thing that we still have to see how that plays out is um, the future of um, you, know, con- you know meetings and conventions, because right. uh, right. I think that I think that's changed. Um, how it's changed, I don't think we know that yet. Um, mm-hmm. But you could also see business travels, like you know the the um, you know, travel you know, the travel director or the CFO going, really. You want to travel there for that? Well, you know what? I mean, you seem like you did fine with Zoom and Teams before. So, I mean, what's the deal? So, um, but if that's true, if that part is true, then um, how do we, you know, how do we re- adapt to that? Right. Um, and because right. I mean, right. if if it's if it is what's going to happen, um, you can't. You know, that's one of those things you can't fight. Uh, sort of like, well, what do we do to um, you know, leverage that? Yeah, hasn't it been amazing how, uh, you know, on the delivery side, especially, right? And you mentioned the restaurant and the local business, how, how some hotel companies have really embraced it. I remember a conversation I had with Hodge um, Hotels on one of my podcasts that they mentioned that they actually built their own delivery app and built out a whole service that allows um, Hodge Hotel guests to order the food from the from the local community. And and three, four years ago, if you would have mentioned that to any hotelier, they would have said, No, we would never do that. We want people to eat in our own in our own restaurants, right? Why would we even even allow them to go somewhere else? And and the mindset's completely changed. Completely changed. And and you think about it too, from a I mean, I've been doing a lot with looking at, res- at restaurant delivery, is that hotels are really well set up for it. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. you know the way their kitchens are set up. I mean in the restaurant industry, they talk about ghost kitchens, which is basically having a dedicated kitchen to make the food. We already have that. And so and then and then the other part with F&B that's interesting, I've seen some hotels do is that they have um, you're bringing in you know, F&B, particularly in some parts of the world, like in the U.S., is not usually it's not a revenue center. Let's just put it that way. And right. um our profit center. And um, so I've seen some where they're actually, they're having either local restaurants. I mean, not only, but like delivery companies take it over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like or, completely outsource it. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and from a guest perspective, it's good. Cause I'll, I mean, I, you know, I can get the food when I want. And from you, know, from a CFO perspective, mm-hmm. eh, yeah, I mean, and I don't have all the operational headaches. So there's, it's just a, it's a, a bit of real time of innovation, not the sort of time I ever want to go through again in my life, but a very interesting times. Yeah, yeah, and I actually saw some uh, startup uh, a couple of days ago. I can't remember the name that actually facilitates for entrepreneurs to take over hotel kitchens for ghost kitchens. So they're like the intermediary that connects, um, you know, restaurateurs with with hotels. And then helps them lease the space and, and take over some of the hotel kitchen space, which, uh, which is kind of a complete new business model, right? Uh, and that's very interesting. Now, on the on the on the hybrid uh, on the hybrid meeting uh, space, I think the jury is still out. Um, I, I thought hybrid meetings would actually endure, but what I've seen over the last couple months or couple of weeks in the U.S. makes me almost uh, think that won't be the case because I've been to a couple of conferences now and I've heard about a couple of conferences. They don't even go down the hybrid um, uh, mode at all, and and when you ask the the organizers to say, oh, it's too complicated, it's too costly, the production, the production becomes more complicated, so it's really not worth doing. A couple hotel investment conferences here, um, you know, with thousands of people, didn't even offer um, hybrid options. 
Um, so I wonder if actually the conference organizers are going to um, go through the complications associated with it as they feel, or if they're just going to say, no, we're not going to do it. Maybe they, the, 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 tra the participants want it, but the organizers don't. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, and we'll see. And I think, right. too, you know, there, there might be a difference in domestic and international meetings. Um, and, you know, because like, you know, here in Singapore, if I look at what's uh, been going on with Marina Bay Sands, with yeah. what they've done with their, their hybrid facilities, it's it's really pretty remarkable, and um, and it doesn't look like it doesn't look like a Zoom screen. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, you know, it's it's got all the virtual reality and all these different sorts of things, and um, you know, and they've used it for some pretty innovative conferences. So it opens up. It's not to say that face to face meetings are going to go away, um, but there are other ways. There 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 might be some things that are added to it, um, which is just a, just a whole it's a whole different market. Right. So, so talk. So, tell me, kind of, what you are seeing now. Um, you talked about total revenue management. It it almost feels like you're more hopeful about the revenue managers of the future than you were before, because of all the changes that everyone had to, you know, make very quickly, and that should drive the whole discipline forward even faster than than we thought in the past. Is that is that a true statement? Well, that's one of those. Well, it depends. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that people talked about in the the survey that Dave and I did was on um, they had they talked about resilience, and yes. then they also talked about cooperation, and they talked about how they had you know whenever I would run a re revenue management roundtable, I would tell the students count the number of times the industry people use the word silo. And the students would look at me like I was nuts, right? And, you know, about 10 minutes into the roundtable, students would be looking at me like, what? <laughs> Say that. And, and they'd be, well, we can't do that because of the silos. So it's like, give me a break. <laughs> and, um, you know, because if I'm the owner, I don't want to hear that, right? And, uh, but what people talked about in the survey results was that, um, you know, they, they had to work together. So there was really improved cooperation because again, mm -hmm. it was the crisis mode. And I think the, you know, see, and, and I think for revenue management people, I think it was good because they had to see, you know, they had to see something different than just rooms. And, um, and, and then I think the other part with it too, is that the tried and true regular old revenue management, um, really didn't what wasn't working that didn't well. Work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so, um, and and then I think on the other side too is that people outside of revenue management could see could see the value that it could bring. So I'm hopeful, but I mean, I think that I think that uh, the pandemic has been a real um, kind of mind. Um, Mind-changing sort of thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess it's not really quite the right term, but to get your revenue management people thinking a little bit more broadly. Yeah, and, and, and I think the other driver of that is that there's just less people to do the same things, right? So they're now involved in marketing, sales, you know, loyalty, and more of the commercial functions. And a lot of the, the, the organizations have, have centralized above property and taken out revenue managers from the hotels, right? So it's it's both centralized, which means a broader remit as well as cross-functional um so automatically all the silos have have kind of not not everywhere but a lot of the silos have disappeared um and just because there's less people to do the work right so uh, less people have to do more things 
And, that, and, and, it's, and that's one of those things of a good thing and bad thing, right? That's true. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Uh, yes. So it's, if you're there, if you're still there, it's good. If you you happen to be one of the people who is not there anymore, if not so good. But it, yeah. but it's but but you know from a you know an academic perspective, you know looking at it is like it's good. Um, because I mean, that's probably what should have been happening in the first place, but we didn't do it that way. We didn't do it because that's not the way we did it. And you got, got kind of in a rut. And I think this, you know, this is, this is certainly the last year and a half has certainly been enough to get most, I I don't think any of us are in a rut anymore. (laughs) We had that conversation, uh, I think, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, definitely. Right. I, I agree with you. A lot of the dust has been dusted off and, um, I, I am encouraged about uh, all the open positions that I'm seeing, the people that are the pinging me because they're looking for, for revenue management talent and the, um, the just the LinkedIn postings that go up about people looking to fill open positions. So I, 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 I agree it's been extremely hard for a lot of people that have lost their jobs um, for the last 12 months, but it's encouraging to see that a lot of, lot of companies are hiring around the world, right? Yes. Yeah. So do you, when you, when you talk to your students, uh, do you tell them that this is a, a, now a good opportunity to be in hospitality and revenue management, or do you feel, and I ask this question, this is always my last question to everyone, um, or do you feel that this is not, so, not such a good time to be in hospitality or revenue management? I think it's a really good time because it's a time of innovation. And I think, you know, whereas before, you know, a, a student just coming out um, might have all these great ideas and then would go, you know, the basic start into a new job and go, oh, well, you, I mean, really excited. And you could do this and you could do that and just get run into a brick wall. It's mm-hmm. like, that's not the way we do things here. <laughs> and now, I mean, your combination of their digital expertise and their creativity, I think they're, I mean, I, I think it's time, I think that um, companies will be more open to that kind of talent. And so it's, a, it, it's an exciting time. And, and, and then I think the other part of it, too, is that the, um, you know, from a student perspective, you know, particularly if they have all of the, you know, the skills that we want, um, you know, they're, you know, analytical, they're articulate, um, you know, they're all these, they're strategic, there are a lot of opportunities for them. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, from a financial standpoint, I mean, I think, you know, we've got to up our game because um, they, you know, they're doing personal revenue management and, um, and you're making, you know, making a, you know, really poor, you know, like a minimal salary. Oh, you have to work your way up the, the, the ladder At, when you're 22 and 23 and you're paying off your, college, your student loans that just doesn't cut it. And you've got other offers. Yeah. yeah. I, I was talking to Chris Green at the, the CEO of Chesapeake. Um, a couple a uh, couple months back on the podcast, and he said exactly that. Right now, now it's the time that you can move up very very fast. You don't have to wait a long time to you know. Oh, you have to prove yourself because there's so many opportunities to grow very quickly. That uh, especially in hospitality, because so many people are looking for to fill positions, even at the senior ranks, you could move very quickly from an entry level position to a to a leadership position or at least a manager position. Um, you know, in, in a year's time, uh, we're, we might have taken five years before. And if 22, five years is an awfully long time. <laughs> it is a long time, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's forever. <laughs> yeah, it is forever. I mean, you'd be old by then, so no, you don't want to do right. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sherry, I really, really appreciate your time uh, and, and, and thanks for your insight. 
uh, we'll post the the research results um, kind of on the on the podcast uh, page as well, so people can refer back to them when they listen to this conversation. Um, I hope uh, you'll have a good time in Singapore, and I hope I'll see you either in the US or in Singapore um, anytime soon, as soon as we can get together somewhere. Sounds good. No, lovely talking with you. Yeah, same. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you found this episode valuable for your own business circumstances. Check out the show notes linked to the episode. Help more people in the industry find this podcast by sharing and rating. And don't forget to subscribe to the series wherever you listen to it.